Welcome to Art of the Kickstart, your source for crowdfunded campaign success and better physical product businesses. I'm your host, Matt Ward, and each week I interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert designed to help you take your startup to the next level. If you're interested in learning what we're all about and kickstarting your own crowdfunding campaign, check out artofthekickstart.com slash checklist. You'll get our entire guide to crush your campaign and take your business to new heights. But now, let's get on with the show. Because I've said it before and I'll say it again, eFulfillment Service is the absolute best company if you're looking for crowdfunded fulfillment on your next Kickstarter campaign. Guys, welcome to Art of the Kickstart. We have a freaking awesome inventor couple on today. But first, Jesse, Kea, thanks for coming to the program. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So before we get into incredibly changing the ergonomics of typing, I personally have back problems from it. I'm sure tons of us do. Let's get a life quote, a success quote. What do you guys live by? What's something you want to share? Um, so <laughs> earlier today, I think we were quoting from the Hitchhiker's Guide. There's an art to flying or rather a knack. The knack lies in leaning or learning to throw yourself at the ground and mess. Uh, which I think is a pretty good metaphor for how entrepreneurship and building a small business and company or doing a Kickstarter kind of works. Is that a lot of failure until you finally get it? You failed until you finally fail to fail. Yeah, you fell forward. You fell miserably. You fail tons of times, but you're learning, and eventually you get that hit. And yeah. I think I think you guys are having the hit. Let's let's be honest. You've raised over four hundred thousand dollars so far. You have a kick-ass keyboard. Let's get back to this Inception story. Tell me a little bit about how you got started with the Model 1. Sure. So it all started a little over two and a half years ago. A software startup I was doing, Crater. Uh, My co-founder's husband got laid off. She quit so that she could earn money so they could keep their house. Can't fault her for it. But that was before we got traction and right as we were trying to raise money. And I was kind of miserable. So I decided I was going to take some time off, figured I would mess around with new projects, figured it was going to be something else software-y, but I got distracted. I found folks online who'd been building their own keyboards and I'd had bad wrists my whole life. And I, in sort of typical Pearl Hacker fashion, figured, well, how hard could it be? And so I thought I'd take a month and I'd build myself a new keyboard. Somewhere about four prototypes in, people in cafes started interrupting me to ask where they could buy this thing I had. Somewhere five or six prototypes in, I'd started writing blog posts about how to build your own keyboard from scratch, sort of learn from my failure. Here is everything that I, as a software guy, screwed up as I built my first keyboard. And I sort of just before I I hit publish on the first of these posts, I added a link to sign up to our mailing list to the top and bottom of the post kind of on a lark. And then I went to bed and I woke up the next morning and my post was sitting at the top of Hacker News and 30,000 people had read the post and a thousand people had signed up for a mailing list. Oh yeah, that's how you do it. Um, and it was totally unintentional, but that was the first inkling I had that we might actually sell more than one of these. And you've um, sold a ton of these so far. We are at somewhere between 1,300 and 1,400 uh, keyboard sold, and this is a super premium keyboard. It is not a thing that we are pushing on the average typist. Uh, it's, I mean, it's a three hundred dollar keyboard. It's got a wood enclosure. It's got custom sculpted keycaps. It's got mechanical. 
you can independently adjust the two halves and it and it comes with front code. So if you're a hacker and wanna and wanna hack your keyboard to make it do crazy stuff, it's super easy. I love that you can see completely that you're a software developer in this. Everything you did was open source, you just threw it out there and it just kind of took off. What's the future of the open source movement like that for creators like you? In a lot of ways, it's just like the past. It's just that big business has started to understand that open source is a totally reasonable path forward. Lots of large companies have been incredibly helpful to us and have been incredibly excited about what we're doing. And so as small creators, we have access to tools and technologies and vendors that 10 years ago would have been completely unthinkable. Yeah. I mean, the beauty of open source, especially for a small company like us, is that it lets your users do things that you wouldn't have imagined for the product. So people have come up to us with like great ideas for things they want to have their keyboard do or have the lights on the keyboard do that we would like have never thought of. And, you know, the, the beauty of it is that they can think of it, they can tell us about it, and maybe we can build it. But they also could build it themselves and share it with the world. And it's really an awesome aspect, I think, in, in hardware is that everybody's used to software, you install it, and you know you install upgrades, and theoretically, at least, it gets better. Um, and in hardware, it's usually been the opposite, that it gets worse over time. But um, with firmware upgrades and extensions and expanding the capabilities of what you can do, you know, in this case with the Model 1, but, you know, theoretically with any open hardware project, you can have hardware that gets better over time. And it's getting better over time primarily because of your customers, which is going to make them more dedicated to the product. But it also gives you that great feedback ahead of time. When did you start? Once you had this, okay, this is proven. Holy crap. We just got top of hacker news. What happens next in terms of getting this in the hands of users, kind of testing it more so than just yourself and your family? And making this, I mean, become a reality. Hardware, software is a pain. It takes forever. What happens next? Well, so right after, I mean, the, the sort of the next big step there was we finally got to the point where I had designed a circuit board and it wasn't all sort of cobbled together by hand. And I, at this point, we still figured that we were probably talking about 50 to 100 units that we might ever sell. And so I built two, two identical prototypes. And I sent mail to our mailing list and said, so does anybody want to try this thing? We need two beta testers. Send us a note about why you're a good beta tester for us. And we'll pick two of you and, you know, we'll take it from there. That was a Friday afternoon. By Monday morning, 150 people had submitted beta testing applications. People had written, you know, pages of prose about why we should pick them. Two people wrote weird Arthurian legend fanfic about you know, pulling the keyboard from the stone, really kind of creepy stuff. There um, were three of them? Two, two, two people did that, independent. But, um, and one guy actually recorded a music video about why he needed to be our beta tester. It was shot in multiple locations. It had music. It had, you know, it had, it, like, it was, it was kind of astonishing. This was a guy in Hong Kong who, the 150 people who wanted to be our beta testers sort of suggested that, Again, maybe there was a little bit more market than we expected. Yeah. I mean, this is also a product that it's not like you can do kind of like one proof of concept and have it work for everyone. Like keyboards are something you actually, you know, physically have in your hands for multiple hours a day. 
and everybody's hands are different and everybody's use cases are different. So we did actually sort of two rounds of long-term beta testing, um, one with the, a, a generation of prototype and we made sure to get it to people who you know, typed in QWERTY and who typed in Dvorak, uh, to people who are programmers, to a writer, to a video editor, to, to people with different sort of use cases. Um, and that we did sort of longitudinal, longer term beta testing with that, along with the kind of casual, you know, give it to a friend to try out for a couple hours kind of thing. And then about six months ago, we realized we'd made enough changes to the product and the product design that we really needed to do on top of the kind of casual stuff, another round of longer term beta testing. So we did that earlier this year and that's worked out pretty well for us. Like in terms of we've learned a ton of stuff from different people. How'd you find it up to this point? You came from a VC background. Um, so we had a little bit of friends and family money in the beginning. And as we've talked about on our blog, we, uh, we actually ended up getting a small, small, small round of investment from Bloomberg Beta. Uh, it's, that's the VC investment fund that's, whose sole limited partner is Bloomberg. They invest in things that improve the world of work. And as it happens, Bloomberg is a company that understands how much keyboards improve the world of work. But it's a tiny, it's a tiny amount of money for them. But we're a husband and wife team. We, we've been able to keep our costs relatively tiny. Um, and hardware has gotten so much less expensive to produce than it used to. And then there's Kickstarter. We don't have to invest in tooling up front. We don't have to pay for our production run before we know how many people are going to buy it. And so that's part of why we're on Kickstarter now. Yeah, that's the innovation revolution. And you guys are clearly riding that. So what happens next? You've got eight days left. When this goes live, you should have about a day or two. Hopefully we'll get some surge right from the art of the Kickstart community. But what happens next? You're clearly funded. How do you get this thing produced? There's going to be so many hassles. I'm sure you've got so much planned and you're pulling your hair out. Well, we're not pulling our hair out yet. I mean, part of the, part of the reason that it's taken us two and a half years to get to Kickstarter is because we didn't want to be one of those projects. And so we've spent a lot of time getting multiple quotes for each aspect of the product at different, at different potential production volumes. So we sort of knew, you know, we set our Kickstarter goal at a place where, yeah, we wouldn't earn any profit if we just hit our goal, but we'd be able to deliver everybody's units and not lose money on them. And so from here, we're going to do one more round of, of design improvement and design for manufacturing. As, as we also start talking to potential manufacturing partners again to figure out now that we know how many we're going to make, who the right partner is for us to go forward with. Yeah. One thing that we did that I think I would definitely recommend to anyone who's doing a hardware product is that we've been doing sort of one or two offs, you know, making a very small number of any given prototype up until earlier this year when we decided to make kind of a mini production run of 20, which was pretty expensive. It was probably the biggest single check we've ever written to get those made. But it was really worth it for learning all the things that you learn when you make make something in bulk or semi-bulk, like assembly, like things you'll notice when you have to do the same thing over and over 20 times um, that you don't notice when you're making it just one time. So learning how to streamline assembly, how to make it so it's easier to test and do 
quality inspection, and all those things are really fundamental to having a successful hardware product. Yes, quite a challenge. And I want to cover now about some of the marketing that you guys have done. What have you done to get this out there? I'm pretty sure you've got a cool plan. Yeah, I <laughs> um I would say we've had less of an awesome structured plan than we might have otherwise. It's it's been pretty much all in-house um but with a about number. grassroots. Yeah. Well, so I mean, so <laughs> pretty grassroots. So we so we failed to hire a marketing company. We talked to a bunch of them and nothing managed to work out. What you know, I think the one of the biggest drivers is that we had an organically grown mailing list of more than 6,000 people who'd all clicked on a button saying, "I want to buy a Model 1." And that's that I mean, that was pretty huge. I mean, we didn't tell them a whole lot about what it was going to be when they clicked on it, but it was not it wasn't something where we had done a lot of content marketing to get email addresses. We we were growing a community and we were finding and we were finding people who were excited about what we were doing. At the same time, we were cultivating relationships with organizations like Autodesk and Arduino and Atmel who make the microcontroller inside what we're doing and Seed Studio who make some of the PCBs we use. And it turns out that when you are building something that's kind of interesting and premium, and you are nice and friendly to the people who are building the tools you use and excited about what they're doing, they're often pretty excited about what you're doing too. And so we've certainly had a a lot of help and a lot of friends. Yeah, I would say one piece of advice for anyone who's listening, who's thinking of launching a crowdfunding campaign is that you know the, the best time to have started your community building and your outreach is you know, two years ago, and the second best time is today. Um, that waiting until after you've launched on Kickstarter to reach out to customers or potential customers is really too late. And that there's all sorts of benefits, even within the Kickstarter platform, of having a bunch of people. If you get a bunch of people who back you on your first day, you start to show up better within Kickstarter search, which also drives more traffic, which is a very sort of positive cycle in terms of getting people to see your project and hopefully back your project. Like obviously the the benefits to the product in terms of getting feedback along the way, the motivation of having people who are excited about what you're building is totally worth it on its own grounds. Um, But I think it's also a big factor in success or failure for a lot of Kickstarter projects is what kind of community, what kind of mailing list do you have built up before you actually launch? Yeah, launch fast. It's all about the velocity. And we've talked about this, guys. But what I want to get into now, before we go launch round, your road trip, going around the country, hitting up the hackers. Share a little bit of that story and how people can kind of use that in their own campaign. Sure. So the plan... So I'm not quite sure where the original genesis of the plan was. Part of it was the fact that our our Honda Civic was back east in Boston, and we'd left it there when we moved out to California to do the startup, and we needed to get it out here. And one or the other of us figured, well, we could drive it out during the campaign and stop at a couple of big, you know, a couple of hacker spaces in various cities where there are people who are excited about what we're doing, and where we can talk about how they can use the tools here to do their own, you know, to build their own products. And we sent mail to that mailing list we've got, and. 150 people in 50 cities invited us to come visit. 
I feel a little bad that we didn't get to Calgary or Auckland, New Zealand or, or Taipei this trip, but there's only so far you can drive. But it's been, we, we ended up narrowing it down to about 23 cities that we stopped in in 26 days. One of the first stops that, uh, that we had was actually Kickstarter headquarters because one of our beta testers is, is a team member at Kickstarter. And so we got to see their, the, their converted pencil factory that is now corporate HQ. We got a big roll of I'm a backer stickers to give out to people along the way. And we found out that as far as Kickstarter knows, we are the only project that has ever done a roadshow during their campaign other than projects where the roadshow was what they were fundraising for. Yeah. I, like To universalize it a little bit, like not everybody has a project that you know, would benefit from this kind of crazy, exhausting, wonderful road trip thing that we're doing. Although I think it would be awesome if more projects did. But doing things where you're actually getting one, where you're getting your product in front of people to be able to see it, to see that it's real. Um, like I think a lot of people on Kickstarter feel nervous about backing projects because they don't know, you know, is this, you know, is this renders? Is this real? Is this something that feels good and feels well-made and anything you can do to sort of prove that to people is really helpful. And, you know, just creative ways of interacting with customers and potential customers. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, physically going across the country. It might be doing, you know, like a, a Google Hangout or something where, or an Ask Me Anything on Reddit or other things where you can really interact with people and they can ask you the questions that they don't, you know, feel like typing onto your Kickstarter page and you can answer them, you can show them the product and, you know, really get a dialogue going. Yeah. One, I mean, one of the other things that we've put a serious focus on is replying to every Kickstarter comment, every backer message as quickly and completely and honestly as possible. And so in some cases that's meant that people have posted a question or criticism of the product to the Kickstarter comments and we've agreed with them and said, yeah, no, you're right. In that case, that it sounds like the keyboard might not be a good fit for you. Being honest and open and as forthright as we can with people has led to sort of building a lot more trust and dialogue than it might if we were just trying to always be on message, always be upbeat and to be a, you know, and to be sort of have a perfect clean marketing message. Yeah, people are really strong bullshit detectors. Like, and, you know, just respect your customers. Like, don't lie to them. Admit to the shortcomings of your product, whatever it is. I think people can see through it when you're not doing that. And so it, it's really beneficial to everyone in the long run to, to just be honest. Yeah, that sets you apart, most definitely. I want to jump into the launch round now because I think you guys have pretty much knocked out an awesome campaign strategy. I want to get into that. Sound good? Okay. Great. If you're a solo founder or you're building a business on the side, you don't have that time that it takes to ship out all those Kickstarter and Indiegogo campaign rewards to your backers. It just takes absolutely forever. If you want help with that, work with eFulfillmentService.com, the company that's sponsoring Art of the Kickstart, that's helped campaign creators for way too long. They know what they're doing. They're great at helping small startups and e-commerce companies do what they need to do, get those products out to their backers, to their customers. Check them out, artofthekickstart.com slash EFS. 
Welcome to the launch round, where we take our guests through a series of rapid-fire questions geared towards unlocking the inner inventor and entrepreneur in all of us. Get ready to blast off and unlock your inner potential. Let's do this. Okay, first question for you guys. Favors business books, life books. Got anything good? Um, how to win friends and influence people is a classic. Ah, uh, favorite business life. I I'm kind of flailing at it. Uh, there there are so many things I've been through, and mostly it's reading lots and lots and lots of them and throwing out ninety nine percent of what you read. Yeah, because most of it's garbage. You got to find the stuff that applies to you. I like that. That's the best. That's the best advice yet. And what about business role models or people you guys looked up to growing up that kind of led you here? For me, it was my parents. Both my parents were entrepreneurs. Both of them, I mean, they started a paper recycling company before paper recycling was hip. And so I remember as a kid watching them, you know, literally holding newspaper drives in a neighborhood and loading up a pickup truck full of newspaper and then building that up to a, a plant where they were bringing in tractor trailer trucks full of overage from paper uh, from paper printing companies, bailing it up and sending it back to paper mills to be repulped, watching them working on the floor with, you know, with the first generation immigrants who were doing the heavy labor, but my parents were right there next to them. And it, it instilled both a pretty seriously terrifying work ethic in me and also a complete lack of fear of just, just trying stuff and, you know, believing that if you, that you'll, event, you'll eventually hit on something if you push at it. Will that be the same effect that's on your kids from what you guys are doing now, you think? Maybe. <laughs> we'll yeah. see. Now it's just cats, which, as far as I can tell, have not absorbed any idea of a work ethic. So. Oh, no. Cats are the laziest creatures on Earth. The only <laughs> ones that want to be fed with absolutely no work. Yep. yep. Oh, so, last question for the launch round. And that is, if you could meet any inventor, entrepreneur, or character throughout history, who would you want to talk to and what would you ask him about? Uh, for me, I'd probably Elon Musk. Um, so you'd say that. Yeah, <laughs> of course I'd say that. Um, so I, I really admire what he's done in terms of being able to attack multiple really big problems. You know, transportation, spaceflight, payments, energy. And I guess I would want to know, I don't know, like maybe like what he would do with healthcare, like seeing his thoughts and approach to other really big societal problems. Um, just cause I think he's someone who's has tremendous vision and tremendous appetite for risk, which you need if you're, if you're going to really tackle something that fundamental to society. I hear Elon Musk's on the computer a lot. Send him a, send him a sample with a nice little letter and just maybe you could catch coffee. Maybe someday. That would be cool. If you can throw in a, like, a complimentary Tesla, I wouldn't, I wouldn't turn it down. <laughs> that would be a solid trade right there. You could be a beta tester for Elon Musk. Grab the next generation <laughs> flying car. Yeah. Awesome. Let's get back to you guys. Your campaign's wrapping up. And the last question I have is, what have you learned? What did you do wrong? What would you do differently that you'd like to leave creators with? So one thing, like a very small thing that I didn't do on day one. So Kickstarter now lets you set up Google Analytics for your campaign. Oh. It is relatively straightforward to track conversions once you've got Google Analytics set up, but it won't backfill. And because I didn't put in the configuration until about three days ago, we don't have good, we don't have really good information on the conversions from the first half of the campaign. 
And I, it's, I'm kind of miserable about that, but it is what it is. Yeah, you're a data-driven guy, and data is power. But at the actually, same time, you still crushed it. Actually, it's funny. I am I am the – Kaya is the data-driven one. I am the throw a bunch of those, a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks kind of guy. I, I was always the one who was really bad at doing things the scientific way. I would just try something, and then I'd try something else, and then I'd try something else. But – yeah, but I do a little more of the imposing structure on the whole operation. So who wears yeah. the pants? Uh, uh, at the moment, both of us. Yeah. <laughs> good answer. Very good answer, Jesse. That's how you always answer, guys. Let's <laughs> let's start to wrap it up here. I think we figured out exactly how to crush it. I love the idea of this keyboard. The more I'm checking it out, the more I'm thinking about it. Got internally rotated shoulders. It's been bothering my back. Mm. And I think that you guys have massive potential coming. Where's the best place for people to check you out, to back your campaign, to pre-order, or just say awesome things? So right now, keyboard.io slash Kickstarter. Or if you just go to keyboard.io, there's a link that says pre-order on it. That'll get you over to the Kickstarter campaign for now, and then later it'll get you over to something else. Yeah, and we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're, we're reply like- to emails, like we're we're very responsive if people have feedback we're only kind of on facebook we're we're horrible at facebook we're much better at email twitter in person kickstarter that's probably a good thing facebook just gets so dangerous with that time sucking (laughs) you gotta be you gotta be careful now that you've got a massive business growing i can't wait to see what's coming out of you guys model two hmm all right neither can we awesome thanks for coming on and have a great day thanks for tuning in guys Thanks for having us. It's been great talking, Matt. Thank you. Oh, it has been great. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show all about building a better business, world, and life with physical products. I'm your host, Matt Ward, and if you've enjoyed today's episode, you should check out artofthekickstart.com. You can find access to all our past episodes, get our Kickstarter Crush It Guide, And if you love the episode, be sure to leave us a review, artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors and entrepreneurs find the show and helps us get better guests on here to help you grow your business. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, have a great and productive week. Go build something incredible.